well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. Glad to have you with us on the program. Coming up in just a matter of moments, we're going to talk with George Brockler. He is the former district attorney in Arapahoe County, Colorado. He has been involved in a number of high-profile uh, cases, including uh, the Aurora Theater shooter, as well as this uh, shooting at a, a STEM school uh, in uh, Arapahoe County. Sentencing for one of those defendants was on Friday, uh, and uh, that defendant uh, who shot and killed Kendra Castillo, a student there at the high school, received life in prison without the possibility of parole, as well as an additional 1,287 years behind bars. Uh, for murdering Kendra Castillo as well as uh, attempting to murder every other student and the teacher uh, in that classroom. And we spoke with George actually on uh, Thursday. Didn't have a chance to, uh, to to share this with you until now, but it's actually kind of a timely interview because in the pages of the, uh, the Denver Post, there is an op-ed by Lonnie Phillips and Sandy Phillips. Their daughter was murdered in the Aurora Theater shooting, their daughter, uh, Jessie. And uh, they write about, uh, at the Denver Post, their disappointment in seeing uh, David Chipman's nomination fall apart. But they also talk about uh, what they and other gun control activists want to see going forward uh, from the Biden administration. They say, uh, quote, we urge President Biden to consider the following avenues of action. Create the Office of Gun Violence Prevention to establish a long-term sustained effort to reduce gun deaths in America by classifying gun violence as a national security crisis and a public health and safety priority, and make a commitment to cut all forms of gun lethality by 50% by 2026, so a little more than four years from now, including suicide, homicide, and unintentional shootings. They also want to create a National Firearm Injury Prevention Bureau. Yeah. They say that our country desperately needs to learn how to design buildings, create four plans, devise exit strategies so people can escape public shootings like the mass shooting that claimed our Jesse nine years ago. And they also say we need to find ways to, quote, hold accountable gun manufacturers and sellers who sell guns and ammunition without completed background checks or who use false advertising to sell firearms. Once again, uh, gun control advocates bringing up the marketing and the advertising of gun companies because they see that. Uh, thanks to that judge in Connecticut who, uh, who who ruled that the families of the Sandy Hook victims could proceed with their lawsuit against Remington, as long as that lawsuit was based on marketing claims, that's now the new avenue of attack for the gun control movement and for gun control activists. Let's go after the advertising and the marketing of these gun companies and claim that uh, you know they're marketing guns uh, uh, to uh, violent criminals, they're marketing guns knowing that uh, bad guys are going to get a hold of them. We haven't actually seen uh, whether or not this argument has gone to hold up in court, but so far they've been able to use that argument to at least bring their lawsuits forward, and that's a victory for the gun control movement. Now, Lonnie and Sandy Phillips also talk about, uh, they say, uh, quote, in 2019, we, along with other survivors, experts, researchers, and advocates, met at the GVpedia conference in Denver, that'd be the Gun Violence Prevention Conference in Denver, to honor the 20th anniversary of the Columbine Massacre. We collaborated with the attendees to draft the Denver Accord, an evidence-based guide to stem gun violence. And they say they urge all leaders to read the Denver Accord to learn the most effective policies to reduce gun violence. I took a look at this. These are these are the uh, talking points of the Denver Accord. This is what they want. They, they say they want to, quote, ensure higher standards of gun ownership by requiring a permit to purchase. The 
Jim Crow era gun control law that uh, Governor Roy Cooper in North Carolina recently put on the book or kept on the books by uh, refusing to uh, uh, sign a repeal of that measure. They want to put laws like that in place nationwide. They also want a registration of all firearms. They want to require storage mandates for firearms. They want to, quote, reduce the lethality of firearms and ammunition. To reduce death and injury, I, I don't know how they suggest we do about that. They also want to, uh, quote, strengthen the national instant check system. They want to make sure that people who are prohibited from having guns no longer have them. They want to regulate the private sale of firearms. They want more regulations on FFLs. They also want to, quote, reduce the presence of firearms in public spaces. So they want to go after the right to carry. Uh, and they say that, uh, quote, we champion police reform through community-based policing, education, and safety. Yeah, reform the police, but uh, don't reform the gun control laws. No, we still need the police to go out and enforce those laws, you know, look, my, my, I obviously I sympathize with Lonnie and Sandy Phillips losing a child to a horrific crime like this is awful. And I, I, it's obviously life changing, but before I even read this op-ed by Lonnie and Sandy Phillips, again, I had spoken with George Brockler, the man responsible for prosecuting their daughter's killer. And one of the very, well, I see the very first question I asked, as you'll see here, is whether or not being a part of that prosecution, part of the prosecution uh, post-Columbine, and some of the other high-profile crimes that George Brockler has been a part of, have any of those crimes caused him to rethink his support for the Second Amendment or to rethink the value of the type of gun control laws that we hear from activists around the country? Here's what he had to say. Take a look and listen. Well, yes, in terms of thinking about it, I mean, you can't help but be confronted with the uh, loss of life, sometimes on an individual, but sometimes on, on a mass scale. And you're right, I've, I've had some huge cases uh, that have fallen right in front of my career path. And any normal person would sit there and think, okay, what is it that we could take away from this where we could do something that might make a difference in the future? But the conclusion that I've come to time and again is there is no change in the law that we have enacted as a result of these that would have prevented the crimes. And I'll give you a perfect example. After the Aurora Theater Massacre, that was the Batman movie massacre, shortly after that was Sandy Hook, two of the most horrific uh, violent crimes that the nation had seen in so long. And the, and the innocent loss of life was ridiculous. And so our legislature here in Colorado rushed to change the law as quickly as they could on two specific areas. One was universal background checks and one was a magazine capacity law. And I'm here to tell you as the guy who lived that Aurora Theater Massacre case for years, neither of those laws had they existed before the massacre would have prevented the massacre. You have a guy who had a crystal clean and crystal clear criminal history who walked into four different gun shops and bought four different guns legally. He also brought with him to that movie theater 700 rounds of ammunition and numerous magazines. Had there been a magazine capacity limit in place then, he'd have just brought more magazines, but it would have done nothing to prevent that. So as you go through this as a prosecutor, of course, you think to yourself, what could we do legislatively that won't infringe on the Second Amendment, but at the same time provide some extra um, security or prevention. And, and thus far, there hasn't been a thing we've done, Cam, that would have made a difference to these major crimes. So when when Colorado put that universal background check law in place, that was about 2013, right? Um, 
Did you, as the district attorney, did you ever prosecute a case for somebody who had transferred a firearm without putting the buyer through a background check? No. And in fact, um, the only cases I can think of where we even used the magazine capacity uh, law, and I'd have to go back to see the couple times we did it, it was usually attached to something else like a robbery or some right. other violent crime where, oh, by the way, they happen to have an exit. But I can't think of a single time we ever had a standalone case brought to us by any member of law enforcement or even the community where it was either of those charges. Yeah, because and, and I'm glad that you, you bring you mentioned that you know the, the, even like the magazine ban, um, these are often attached to other charges. So somebody gets you know a, a 10 year sentence for armed robbery, they get what is it a, a, a year for a high capacity magazine, but that year long sentence is served concurrently with the 10 year robbery sentence. I, 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 I just don't, you know, I have my constitutional issues, obviously, with with the gun control agenda. But like you, George, I look at this also from a pragmatic standpoint. Right. The the, the issue that we're facing here uh, is how to address violent crime, how to reduce violent crime. And it looks to me like, you know, when we pass these laws that are aimed at responsible gun owners and, and criminalize people who aren't actually violent criminals, not only does that take us away from doing the, the things that actually do work, but again, we're creating paperwork criminals. Why? I think it gives us a sense that we're doing something and doing something usually means for the legislature uh, and our legislature is controlled by a party that sees the Second Amendment far differently than you and I do. Um, I think doing anything is a substitute for doing something that would make a difference. And I know we're going to end up talking about this case tomorrow, but you know, there's a case where there's a mass shooting at a school. There's no AR-15 or any other what's called assault rifles involved. Uh, these were weapons that were secured in a safe in uh, mom and dad's closet. and these two evildoers used an axe and a crowbar to break into that safe in order to get to those weapons. And as a result, our legislature then passed a law this last year, which was a safe storage mandate. Would have made no difference in this case whatsoever. And it's another one of those after the fact charges like the magazine ban. The only time law enforcement would ever come to know this is after a gun has been misused in some way whether a kid has gotten to it, someone breaks into a house and steals it. Um, all of these things aren't going to really prevent crime. They're just add-on charges after the fact. Appreciate uh, George Brockler joining us. I want to have George back with us as well, because uh, there, there's some topics that we did not really have the time to get into um, that I think are actually really important. Some of the things, some of the other lessons that uh, uh, George Brockler has, uh, has learned uh, including the fact that uh, in this STEM shooting, um, not only did Kendra Castillo run towards the danger, but you had four other individuals in that classroom, three other students and the teacher who also uh, ran towards the attackers and instead of running from them or hiding under a desk. And George Walker has told me that one of the, the commonalities of all of those individuals is that they had some familiarity with firearms in the past. Uh, George says they also seem to also have a, a strong personal faith. Uh, and we've discussed this uh, off air, but I, I want to have this conversation with George uh, on camera uh, and in front of the microphones, because I think that there is something to this idea of, okay, well, if you are familiar with firearms, if you have that familiarity, if you are in one of these situations where all of a sudden 
the threat is there, are you instinctually more likely to fight as opposed to take flight if if this is a known factor, right? Okay, well, I know what guns are. I know what they can do. I know I have to stop this individual. Uh, I've been around guns. Even subconsciously, does that have an impact on how you react compared to somebody who doesn't have any personal knowledge of firearms, somebody who, uh, again, has been you know, told guns are bad, we don't touch guns, guns are icky, guns are scary. I don't know the answer, quite frankly. I don't think George does either, but it's a topic, again, that I want to explore with George Brockler in the future. Uh, right now, though, let's turn our attention to today's Armed Citizen story, our good deed of the day, and our recidivist report. We will start there with a, a story out of Utah. A uh, Utahan accused of shooting a police officer, turns out had been released early from his probation. Back in July, Sean Dara had his state supervised probation terminated early because he had been doing well and was showing progress, according to court records. That was July. Two months later, police say that Dara shot a police officer as a SWAT team attempted to enter his apartment to serve a warrant where Dara was allegedly dealing drugs. Uh, last Wednesday, the 51-year-old Dara was released from the local hospital, booked in the Salt Lake County Jail for investigation of two counts of aggravated assault targeted law enforcement, two counts of theft of a firearm, two counts of possession of a weapon by a restricted person, as well as drug possession with intent to distribute. Yeah. The shooting came less than two months after adult probation and parole asked a judge to terminate Dara from probation early from his previous drug-related conviction. Uh, back in October of last year, Dara had been convicted of an amended charge of attempted drug possession with intent to distribute. He got a suspended sentence of up to five years at the Utah State Prison. He was placed on three years of probation. Again, that was last October, so less than a year of being on probation. Uh, Dara had accordingly uh, reportedly done, quote, very well. And agents, quote, never found a violation at his residence, noting that he had displayed a, quote, positive attitude. The report says that uh, he has made the appropriate changes in his life to become a productive member of society. So nine months into his 36-month probationary period, probation was ended. Mr. Dare was, you know, a, a uh, citizen who faced, you know, no supervision whatsoever. And less than two months after his probation was revoked, now he stands accused of a laundry list of violent offenses. Today's armed citizen story from LaPorte, Texas, where a juvenile was forced to shoot a family member to death to prevent the assault of another family member. Yeah, police in uh, LaPorte are calling this uh, juvenile a, quote, brave kid. Uh, according to the uh, DA's office, the juvenile and um, his mom, it sounds like, had moved to a home to escape this family member who ended up showing up at the house. Uh, that relative, sources identify as a uh, gentleman named Tracy Landry, showed up to the home with what officials say uh, was a sack filled with canned goods. He wasn't there to drop off food. He was there to use that sack as a, a blunt object weapon of attack uh, against that woman. And that's when the juvenile allegedly shot Landry with a handgun. He then called police. Uh, Landry died from uh, the gunshot wounds that he suffered there at the scene. Uh, police say that they did not take the juvenile into custody because they considered the shooting to be an act of defense of a third party. Uh, Landry, by the way, had been out on bond uh, after uh, uh, being arrested and charged in May of this year with assaulting a family member with a previous conviction. His pretrial bond had been granted, set at $15,000. You, uh, you know, pay up 10% of that bond. You're looking at 1500 bucks, and you're uh, out. The same day, by the way, that uh, he was uh, released on bond in that uh, charge, he was also at a, another charge of um, uh, injury to an elderly person dismissed. 
So we'll try to bring more details of this case forward. But, I, you know, I, I was thinking about this. We were just uh, talking about the the Denver Accord, uh, the, this uh, gun control package that uh, uh, activists had outlined. And one of the things that they want is mandatory storage, right? They, they For every gun owner, unless that gun is on your person or under your control, your gun is supposed to be locked up at all times so that nobody can get access to that firearm. What would have happened in this case in LaPorte, Texas, if mom had her gun locked up, the juvenile could not have accessed it? Uh, would we be talking about the homicide of that juvenile and and his relative, or would we be, would we be talking about uh, you know unarmed self defense? I, I I don't know, but I suspect that this story would have ended up very differently. Uh, had that juvenile not been able to gain access to that firearm. Again, I'm all in favor of responsible gun ownership, and that means responsible gun storage, but there is no one-size-fits-all policy that every parent should follow. Parents should have, and I believe do have, the right to decide for themselves when their children are responsible enough to have access to a firearm for the purpose of self-defense or the defense of others. And gun control activists obviously see it very differently. They would like mom to be charged in this case because she allowed her juvenile son access to this firearm. And he used it to defend his mom's life. I don't think it, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't think mom committed a crime here. But the common sense gun safety activists sure do, which uh, is yet another reason why I'm not on team gun control. All right, uh, finally today, our good deed of the day. A New Jersey police officer in the right place at the right time, willing and able to save the life of a one-month-old baby that had been tossed off of a second-story balcony. This is Jersey City. This was on Saturday. Officer uh, Eduardo Matute being heralded as a hero for uh, uh, catching the child. A uh, city spokesperson says that the ordeal began Saturday morning when uh, officials received a report of a man, quote, dangling a baby over a balcony uh, of an apartment building. Onlookers pleading with the man to uh, not drop the child. Five officers positioning themselves below the balcony in case he did. Uh, one uh, individual shouting, don't do it, brother. This is sick. Uh, officers set up a perimeter to negotiate with the man. They're being credited with saving the child's life. Uh, the unidentified man was taken into custody after dropping the child. He's been charged with aggravated assault, attempted murder, endangering the welfare of a child. Uh, the baby was hospitalized as a precaution, but it sounds like the baby's going to be just fine, thanks to the uh, quick thinking and the uh, good hands of uh, Officer Eduardo Matute there in Jersey City. That is all the time we've got for you on this edition. Actually, you know what? It's not all the time. I got one little story I want to tell you about. Before we get out of here, because I had something really cool happen on uh, Saturday night. So I, I took my wife, the lovely Miss E, out to dinner Saturday evening in uh, beautiful bucolic Farmville, Virginia. We uh, go to a restaurant that uh, my friend co-owns, and we had just sat down at the bar. We were going to get a drink, and uh, uh, all of a sudden, one of these servers comes up and says, uh, by the way, there's a person outside who would like to buy your dinner. I mean, we had literally just sat down. And I looked, I'm like, how did anybody even see me come in from out there? They hadn't seen me come in. There's a uh, very lovely couple, Nate and Tracy from uh, North Carolina, who had uh, driven up to Farmville, celebrate their anniversary, didn't really even have any plans. It was like one of those like weekend road trips, like, let's just get in the car and go. Uh, and Nate likes to fish up here. So he was familiar with the Farmville area. Nate also 
uh, watches Bearing Arms Cam and Company on a regular basis, knew that I broadcast from Farmville. And so when he got to the restaurant, he said, hey, you know this guy? And he pulled up, I think it was YouTube, might have been Rumble, but he pulled up uh, the the uh, the last show. I said, you know this guy? And the server said, oh, yeah, I, I know him. I mean, it's kind of hard, you know, not to. And uh, he said, well, I, 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 listen, I don't know when he'll be back in here but or how often he comes in, but the next time he comes in, I'd like to buy him a drink or buy him dinner, just something to say thank you. She walks back in. She walks back out of my life. She says, are you a witch? Because he just showed up. And then a couple of seconds later, I walked out uh, with my wife. We had a lovely dinner uh, with a, a lovely couple. So, uh, uh, Nate and Tracy, thank you very much. It was fantastic to meet you. I hope we get to do it again very soon. Uh, and again, just a serendipitous moment. It was just it was the craziest thing. Every now and then as I'm walking around, someone say, hey, Cam. And I, and I always love it because I'm not famous. I know I'm not famous. But uh, I got to say, that was one of the coolest experiences that I've had. Uh, in recent memory. So thank you, Nate and Tracy. Hopefully, again, we get to see each other uh, very soon. And we will be back tomorrow with more of the latest Second Amendment news and information from all across the nation. So you'll see me here on Rumble.com or uh, YouTube, or you might hear me on Apple Podcasts or Amazon Podcasts or any other place where you can find the program. I would also encourage you to check out BarryAndArms.com throughout the day, and that way you uh, are also abreast of the latest developments in the attack on your right to keep and bear arms, as well as the defense of your Second Amendment rights. And if you like what you see, you can always become a VIP member. Just go to bearingarms.com slash subscribe. Use the promo code GUNS for 25% off of your VIP membership. We really do appreciate your support. As our way of saying thanks, you're going to get exclusive content like, you know, news stories, analysis, and more. Because we do really appreciate uh, you giving us the support that you have. And until we talk again which will be tomorrow, not long at all. Be well, be safe, and be free.